Welcome back to the Cairo London podcast. Yeah, it's Craig McLean here again, and this week I am interviewing Paul McCrossan. Dr. Paul McCrossan is the president of the United Chiropractic Association, and we studied together 20 years ago, 25 years ago, so we have quite a history together, but the purpose of this podcast was unashamedly me trying to pick his brain as to how he led the UCA members through the global pandemic. Uh, we literally started as I was like, Paul, what were you doing on the 23rd of March, 2020? And unlike most other podcasts where you try not to timestamp things with reference to events that are going on then and there, it was all about timestamping it this time and talking through everything as to how he liaised with... Uh, a forum made up of many different associations in the UK. Um, He'd had some interactions with the Royal College of Chiropractors and they came up with a strategy to be able to allow chiropractors to remain open to a certain degree and evolve that process from there. So we literally pulled it to pieces and I was really appreciative of the time that he shared with us and the time that he took to actually explain what he was doing. And I personally uh, was very thankful that he did what he did through that time. It enabled us to remain open to a very sort of restricted degree at the beginning and then just evolve things as we learnt more about PPE and the safety of our clients. So, yeah, um, very detailed Cairo-specific chat but I'm sure you'll find it very interesting and it gives a very good summary of where we are right now in terms of the whole concept of track and trace and, you know, if there are cases that come in to see you, how we can protect ourselves and make sure that our staff and our team and and the other patients that we serve are well cared for and looked after and are safe. So it's quite a lengthy one. We go into a lot of detail, but enjoy. Dr. Yeah. Paul McCrossan, thank you for joining the Cairo London podcast. Uh, long overdue to get you on the airwaves. The fans are waiting. <laughs> <laughs> but um, let me give you a, a little back. Hey? It's a pleasure, mate. It's good to see you can't see my blushes on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but so uh, a little bit of background. You are the president of the UCA, which is the yep. association representative of half the profession in the UK. Um, well, you can go into the details a bit about that later. Yeah. Um, we also studied together back in Melbourne in finishing 1995, so 25 years ago. Um, and the, but the whole point of this podcast to actually get you on is to have a conversation around what you've been doing in the last six months, specifically around the whole lockdown global pandemic thing. And you've basically, I don't know, single-handedly, but certainly had a fairly big role in leading the profession through helping us as me or as a, as a business owner and as uh, a chiropractor through trying to work out what to do with this, you know. So um, thanks very much. Why don't you go back to the start, though. Tell us the journey as to how you ended up as the UCA president. Yeah, look, um, well, I kind of fell into it, really. Um, as I mentioned sort of in our brief introduction on Instagram, was, um, you know, I've got over here in, in the UK um, in um, sort of late 
1990, sort of 1998, sort of 99, but really, really sort of the end of 99, 2000 is when I've, I've been fairly much continuously here. And um, and I was on the, um, the council for, for um, at, at university and I was the internal seminars coordinator. And so I was tasked with bringing in all those inspirational chiropractors, um, which, which we all wanted to be and uh, it's obviously still is the case, Craig, um, and to speak to students. And so um, been involved on school council. Uh, obviously, there was uh, um, a uh, – obviously, I thought I had a role greater than just uh, myself, my own career. And, and so when um, we're over here, the UCA was being formed, and I arrived just after it was just starting – and they had the first meeting. I think I might have been up around about the uh, second meeting. And and really, um, the, the profession, you know, a group of people who have been here for a long time. A lot of people thought, look, we need we need a, a professional body that's more representative of the broad spectrum of chiropractic, um, not just a limited scope on just uh, um, purely sort of musculoskeletal, um, you know, um, pain relief. And you know, that's not to diminish our role with that. But we thought, well, you know, chiropractic is bigger than that. And so that's how the UCA got formed. And uh, it was um, started off um, the, um, the, the back to health um, and Matt Flanagan was uh, kindly donated some office space for it. And then uh, I, I was helping out uh, just in the consultation with the GCC, which had also uh, not long been formed. Um, on our first code of practice and just got into it and then sort of just uh, continued on on from there with uh, some of the, the, the early people such as, uh, yeah, well, you know, Estelle uh, Zorna, uh, Christoph Fever, um, Stuart Rinsberger, right? and uh, so sort of, you know, Carson way back, you know, Neil and Rosemary Falker and, um, and then... It just sort of grew from there. I didn't sort of go and think, "Hey, great! I want to be the president of the uh, of, of, of the UCA." It's just just developed, and uh, um, you know, I've, I've really I've been very much involved in the peer and ethics, which is about advising chiropractors on on how to practice, and also really to protect us, so that um, um, you know, for many years we've lived with this fear of the you know that the GCC are going to come in and and uh, uh, you know close us down or Stop, you know, uh, preventers practicing the way we want to, and so um, you know, I was obviously advising people. Okay, look, this is what um, you know, uh, proper standards practice are, and, and um, you can still practice in a vitalistic way. And and, uh, the, and it was important that that we had to sit at the table to make sure the code of practice reflected that, and I think it does. And um, so then I was, you know, vice president for a number of years with Kevin Proudman. Um, I often joke around, it's the longest apprenticeship, I think it was like seven years or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, 2018, um, you know, became president and um, uh, and, and then welcomed uh, 2020 with a global pandemic. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, mate, let's just go yeah. straight in there because uh, if there's ever been a test of your presidency uh, or I'm sure in the same way that Bojo has been loved, has been hasn't loved been handing the uh, the prime ministership um, right at the time of a global pandemic. Um, yeah. Talk us through, like, I mean, okay, go back March 23rd, I seem to remember, was the sort of day, I think it was a Monday, whereby we were happily practising along um, with some concerns and then all of a sudden it became a, a kind of stay-at-home message from the government. Um, yeah. 
talk us through what you were doing on that day, uh, mainly probably sort of thinking in terms of like UCA angle because I'm sure you obviously had many concerns as a as a family I'm man. You were in practice at the yeah. time. Uh, yeah. And yeah, look. So, how did it evolve? What sort of, because obviously we went into the situation whereby there was this like initial, like we were reacting to stuff, different stuff all day, every day, right? And, um, but it came through that emergency care was still appropriate through some guidance from you. But just talk us through how that whole thing evolved. Yeah, it was interesting because we'd, um, what seemed to be happening is is information is getting leaked. You get an essence, right? And a lot of people um, before the twenty third, because uh, that was yes, when when you're right, uh, Prime Minister, you know, Bryce Johnson got up and basically said, right, okay, we're going into lockdown effectively, right? Now the thing is, chiropractors have never been mandated to go into lockdown because um, just a few days after that came out the. Um, uh, the 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 act or the 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 legislation the statutory instrument um, the, you know, the coronavirus um, act which basically said that chiropractors could stay open. However, um, the public sentiment and the situation on the ground pretty met pretty much meant that really um, we couldn't in the way that we were practicing. And chiropractors were getting in contact with us before that and saying. Look, I don't feel comfortable practicing. People making their own decisions about, okay, I think that, you know, um, they were scaling back the practice, they were closing. And look, their practice members were making the decision for us in, in most cases, right? Because um, the, the, you know, the rising um, fear and concerns around coronavirus was meaning people were, were increasingly more uncomfortable coming out, right? So um, we had a meeting with the GCC. Um, there's a, uh, a forum that was set up a couple of years ago, end of 2019, I think it was actually um, 2018, and, and it was um, uh, the UK Chiropractic Forum, which is basically all the professional associations, uh, the presidents of um, the Royal College of Chiropractors and the GCC. So we can actually, as the, all the stakeholders and leadership uh, group in, in the profession, sit down, we can sit in a room, we can have conversations, see the, the issues. We'd had a meeting on the Friday, a Zoom meeting, uh, of course, because, you know, at that point, you know, people were being told not to travel on public transport and to stay, stay at home, work at home if you could. And I made it really clear um, and said that, look, chiropractic is an essential service, right, um, it, it, and it should be seen as such. And, um, you know, we'd like the, the regulator to, to, to view that. Um, we also discussed the concerns, and this is you know, going back. I'd already communicated to the membership, and we could chat about this a bit later, about, you know, the whole role of chiropractic in the immunity, right? And so the GCC then, um, you know, they, they, they informed us of their statement and saying, look, this is our statement. We're going to put out this statement and say that we don't want chiropractors preying on the vulnerable or misleading people um, uh, about, you know, chiropractic and saying that, you know, um, or, or have people... Um, chiropractors saying, look, come along here, we can treat coronavirus, you know, or, or get adjusted, you know, this will help you with, with, with coronavirus, right? Now, so, you know, the, the essence was there. People were, were already being advised that you should close. Our view was, right, look, you know, we're here to protect chiropractors, right? 
um, and the the interests of, of, of chiropractors. And so it's like, okay, we need to advise you and take you through this journey. And then Boris on the 23rd says, right, okay, um, you know, let's all stay at home. And that's when we, we, you know, I'd done a video announcement before that, but then said, okay, look, this is time where I think we've got to just, you know, step back, reflect. However, um, we don't want to deprive the public because it goes against the grain for us naturally as chiropractors, right? As chiropractors, it's like in the times of stress, right, you know, um, in times of what we see is high need, right, um, we don't want to disappear. We, we want to be available to, to help people. So our natural instinct is, okay, you know, people going through this, not we're treating coronavirus, but people are under a lot of stress. Their lives have been turned upside down. You know, people's livelihoods have been basically, you know, in, 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 a, in, in a matter of days um, have been put in front of them to say this fear that it's going to be taken away, regardless of any concerns that they've got about the virus for, their, for themselves or their family, right? And so, you know, times like that, you're kind of thinking, well, this is where we've got a role to play, all right? And people under stress, you know, it um, has a, a big impact on, on their overall health status, not just obviously, you know, you know where they're giving back pain headaches. So, yeah, I was going to say having that role of having, okay, if people in dire need, right, so our view was never to completely close, right, but to be able to balance that safety of the public balance what is um, important in terms of the public sentiment because we could have done ourselves a lot of damage if because a lot of people were social policing saying, you know, for business, oh, they're still open, they shouldn't be open, right? And it was even happening within the profession, right? So, so you've got to balance that, that um, with the fact that there's people that need our care and so that's why I advise it's like just in, in, um, in emergency situations when people in dire need, right, um, you know, you see those in um, with obviously taking appropriate precautions. So that was kind of like step one. Uh, you know, you're right. There was a lot of um, differing opinion about what was right and what was wrong. Um, mm. There was a lot of fear out there by everyone. And, you know, obviously the interpretation uh, of some of the discussions that you had was interpreted differently with the BCA, for example, right, um, and the Royal College. So did you just say the Royal College, the BCA, and everyone else within the UK is part of this forum, right? And, um, <laughs> and do you, did you have any direct discussions then and there as to why the RCC and the BCA decided to go along down the route of pretty much they were advising for nearly two months to, to close, right? Yeah, look, we, we didn't, not on that, we'd have to direct discussions about that. We were sort of um, talking because at that point Boris hadn't made his announcement. And, um, but then, um, and look, each, um, you know, each association has got to make um, the decisions they felt was appropriate with, with. When you think about it, you know, when you talk about shades of grey, um, there wasn't 50 shades of grey, there's 500 shades of grey. You know, it's like, um, you know, balancing uh, ev- everything up. And, look, I, I certainly spoke um, and I had a good conversation with um, uh, Rob Finch from College of Chiropractors and, and, you know, a lot of their views was around, um, you know, chiropractors not having any training or um, access to appropriate PPE um, and... So, you know, um, and, you know, at that point you've got to keep in mind nobody knew the risk 
of um, transmission um, in a chiropractic practice and how much we would um, uh, contribute to to any transmission. Um, uh, we're already advising people um, to have enhanced hygiene procedures um, uh, to um, you know not accept people with coronavirus symptoms. Um, so you know, it wasn't as if it was business as usual up at that point. Not at all. Right? Um, people's practices. You know, and look, you know, our our practice members and the public were deciding. You know, um, certainly I, I know that you know after that Monday, right? Everyone's phones went into meltdown and their, their emails and and you know if you if you weren't closing your practices, it was severely it was severely um, um, restricted. So you know. Now we had discussions of it, but also it, it's it was a time it's a time where you've got to um, you know work work together as 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 much as possible. But obviously each organisation's got to make their decision based on the information they had and what they thought was best for for the profession and for the public. And if you look at it, you know pretty much you know there wasn't a, it was a continuum. There wasn't a huge difference between it. It was like okay. Our view and and this is viewed the shared and look we're in obviously we're we're members of the alliance with the um, Scottish Chiropractic Association and and the MCA so I was in contact a lot with Ross McDonald Bernie Bernie Martin and um, and so you know the the view there was okay we need to to lock down restrict our practice so routine care it wasn't business as usual so um, it wasn't a time where it was appropriate for doing routine care. But you should do emergency care, right? Um, and you know the the uh, college of chiropractors and 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 the VCA thought that it wasn't appropriate to do any care, right? And so you know that, that's it. The 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 difference is that we were just seeing okay people in a very limited limited um, in a limited context, but um, you know basically a majority of people weren't getting chiropractic care that, that were getting chiropractic care in, say, a month before. So the, uh, you know, the, the one thing that sort of is slightly annoying with this whole thing was that, and, you know, we, uh, as, as we guys know, we're both from Melbourne or the surrounds and the poor guys, uh, we feel for our friends yeah. and colleagues back there who are in the middle of it all right now. Um, but the big difference between sort of how the Australian government and the UK government dealt with it was that even though the UK government, as you said earlier, the legislation was such that chiropractors were not mandated to close, um, but there was no support from the government to say uh, a, a healthcare appointment or in particular an allied health or a, you know, whatever you want to call it, like chiropractic visit, was one of the reasons why you could leave the home. And, and that's what the Aussie government did, is they said they made it very clear and saying it's like full lockdown. However, um, you know, we consider health appointments to be a reason to leave the house. So wh- wh- why do you think the government didn't mandate us to close, very aware that the public were afraid to get involved in maybe their, some of their health appointments and didn't actually announce that, that it was okay to do that. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, look, uh, you know, there's, there's nuance there because actually the government did, right, because the government um, in and the, the legislation I think might have come out on the 26th of, of March, I think. If we got, I think it was uh, the Monday we got, let's just say it was because of the lockdown announcement by Boris, by the Prime Minister, and I think on Wednesday um, the, the statute um, uh, came out. So now 
that listed chiropractic. So when it, it said that, what basically the legislation was saying, these are the businesses that, that have to close. These are the businesses that are actually allowed to remain open, yeah. right? So in the view of the, the government, um, and they were talking about you could only do essential tra- travel, and essential travel being um, going to work if you can't work from home, um, you know, going to healthcare appointments, um, uh, grocery shopping and um, exercise, right? So chiropractic fell, fell, fell into that. So you could, so um, we, fortunately, we don't have, haven't had the situation they do in Australia where you need paperwork to be able to go to, to work, right? But um, you, you could go to the chiropractor and say, okay, I'm going to the chiropractor and, and that's not, that wasn't a breach of the lockdown. So, so you know, it, the, the legislation did say that. So we could do that. What the government didn't give, give us, Craig, which is difficult, is they didn't give us a context. Okay, well, no. right, you could be open. They didn't say how open you could be, yeah. right? They didn't say, um, you know, as far as they're concerned, you know, if you look at the, the, the legislation, it's like, well, you could be open, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, business as usual, yeah. right? Um, but that's when, you know, advice was coming out from, from the associates because we're looking in terms of we've got the code of practice. So we're, we're also got a responsibility as registered health professionals, right? We've got the um, regulated by the GCC and we've got, we've got to adhere to the code of practice. And the code of practice had, you know, section A where it's basically saying that you've got to look after the interests and protect the public. So if there's, um, you know, whatever your views on coronavirus is one of the, um, the effects of coronavirus is, can be death, right? And so, um, you know, yeah. people coming into your practice, if you've got to be able to um, uh, balance the risk of them coming into the practice and the benefit of getting care. And so we were in contact a lot with our legal team, right, to go, go through that because, again, you know, you've got to um, balance up between, all right, okay, I'm a practitioner and we want to be helping people, um, um, but also with the prevailing legislation and and the the risk and also what the requirements are, the code of practice. So the last thing we wanted was um, uh, people getting uh, complaints and there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of fear around that because people going, um, you know, what am I allowed to do, what am I not allowed to do? Yeah, um, but this is where, like, even ourselves, like, we were, like, obviously trying to, you know, make our way through the murkiness and sort of work out what is appropriate. So we ended up, most of our practices didn't close down. Thankfully, a lot of our chiropractors were uh, local or close by. So that was another factor is how you get your chiropractor to the clinic. But if, you know, they can walk, it was obviously a, a no-brainer. They could still go. But then we interpreted it to say, okay, well, you know, if we're going to take this seriously, we just need to reduce the actual bodies in the building, right? Um, and that was the way we did it. So there was no reception, one doc, one patient, and then it was a one-in-one-out sort of policy. And that's how we kind of started and then we evolved from there. And then, you know, to me, that seems like an appropriate response. What do you think about that? So this is this is um, after lockdown. So this is when reopening sort of in um, or was that during the the, the lockdown? Well, how long was the lockdown for officially? Well, well, see, the lockdown, I mean, you know, really, if you, like I said, in terms of legislation, there was no lockdown for chiropractors, right? Yeah. But, but um, our advice, um, we, we gave advice, uh, like I, I, I um, put out a statement on that 23rd and said, right, you should restrict your practice to emergency um, visits only. So, so let's say 
you know, and that that was probably uh, in place for a month, six weeks, probably, you know, people, we found that people were probably um, restricted their practice to, to that level, let's say, you know, if we use the word lockdown for anywhere between four and eight weeks. Yeah. Right. And some so people yeah, are getting on that too, Craig. So it's, it was, again, it's a personal decision, right? Yeah. So, no, in answer to your question, it was during lockdown, but we obviously yes. reduced. So the month of April, I seem to remember, um, you know, most of the clinics were only seeing 10 to 20% of the, say, if, yep. you know, the normal is 100%. We were literally yep. seeing 10% of the people and we were justifying that because these guys were so desperate that they yep. um, considered the risk of coming to the chiropractor was lower than the risk of them falling apart or having to go to A&E with some sort of back problem. Yeah, exactly. So your responsibility was then was to say, okay, this isn't business as usual, which which um, um, you've acknowledged, uh, and um, uh, you know, one in, one out, um, you know, screening people, and that's pretty much if you look at the how people are practicing now, right? Um, we're still employing a lot of those strategies, right? So that. It's um, where you're limiting exposure, limiting the opportunity for transmission. I'm sure that then you're doing obviously enhanced uh, cleaning procedures in between people and, and people yes. using hand sanitizer, etc. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, that I mean, I've had more alcohol on the outside of my body than on my inside of the body, you know, this year. Uh, <laughs> no. I, I've pretty much had an equal match. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose lockdown, we to, you know, always uh, tried to catch up, but. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, yeah, but yeah. so, I mean, let's, that sort of segues nicely into this whole thing of PPE, though, because then uh, obviously then later on down the track, and I can't quite remember exactly when, probably six, eight weeks later, then there was a bit more clarity as to what yep. was the appropriate PPE, right? Um, do you remember when that was exactly? Yeah, because that was, um, you know, the interesting thing is we, we went into lockdown and this is when um, transmission was the highest, we're at the peak uh, or getting to the peak. Right, we're not wearing any PPE, right? Yeah. We're doing um, enhanced, uh, maybe some seem limited, but the, all the advice from Public Health England there related pretty much to hospitals, right? Yeah. Um, and care homes confirmed for people who are con- what they call confirmed or possible cases, right? Now, yeah. now, you know, that's someone with, at that point, it was um, a high temperature, a dry and persistent cough, right? The... the um, anosmia or the change in change in smell and taste um, wasn't one of the um, uh, let's say stipulated symptoms at that point, although it's been noticed. So anyone, so basically, it was the people who had had a positive test or had symptoms that looked like coronavirus, which is not the people that we were seeing, right? Because yeah. we we're saying if you've got those symptoms, don't come in. So we were, if the, the people that, that that would be coming to our practice would fall into asymptomatic character. Uh, category, yeah. which no one really knows um, uh, uh, how big or how small that is, mm. right? And so, um, you know, we, we go to that. So then, you know, fast forward to when we're coming out of lockdown and Public Health England have, have um, you know, given more guidance. And this is the thing, you know, we were reviewing this stuff like, you know, daily stuff was was, was coming out and then government obviously changing policy and, you um, so that's when, and people be aware of the, the, the famous table four, right, which is talking about people who are in that, effectively that, a, not 
the possible or confirmed case, but the asymptomatic. So someone, so this this was for because realizing that okay, you know, people need to see the chiropractor, you know, the you know the physio or you know um, uh, osteo and you know the health protect practitioner. Right? So um, they said, okay, this is where the PPE you need to wear is um, aprons and gloves, and and then um, you know we've. You know, that's been updated. Well, that hasn't really actually been updated. Risk assessed for whether you need to wear a mask. But yeah, so let's let's get specific about that then. So that's still the current kind of um, recommendation because that was certainly my interpretation where they were saying, well, look, if you're going to get um, up close, um, gloves and apron, and then you've got to make a risk assessment about the mask. And has, that hasn't necessarily been updated with this kind of whole mandatory face masks in shops thing. No, no, but I've uh, obviously released, um, you know, uh, done some videos and, and statements on that because the the the, the thing is, the, the start of, you think of the coronavirus when it first started was a health and resources um, uh, issue, right, uh, crisis, right? So it was like, okay, if you're in the vulnerable category, you've got a, a, an increased chance of having a severe outcome, all right, you know, and as, as I said, you know, in some cases, you know, death, right. But also the the NHS, so the whole thing was to, um, you know, save lives, save the NHS, was that you've got this such a rapid spread and um, development of cases that the NHS would get overwhelmed, right. So, you know, you've got that resources now if you look if we fast forward to now right the health crisis is diminished in the fact that you know the NHS isn't overwhelmed right um the nightingale um uh, hospitals are empty yeah. right um the COVID wards are the death rate is right down now that doesn't mean that you know and so the focus now is about control of the virus right now for us though it could still be a commercial crisis, right, and for people in terms of their livelihood, it can still be a commercial crisis. And what I mean by that is that through track and trace and um, so you can still be uh, with, you know, asked to self-isolate. Now, if you're a sole practitioner yeah. and someone comes in and then um, they tell you, oh, look, I've since been, um, I had a positive COVID-19 test and um, and I saw you within 48 hours of that test, right, then you could be deemed what's called a close contact, right? Yeah. And so Public Health England, well, the new body now, Public Health England, has been um, been, been disbanded, but um, then you could get a, a from the track and trace team, NHS track and trace team, say, hey, look, you saw Mrs Jones, um, you know, a day ago. She's been positive. Um, you need to go and self-isolate, right? Now... To actually see people to protect us um, from uh, from the virus, the, the Table 4 says, you know, gloves and apron, you risk assess um, visor and face mask, but that's based on, you know, um, aerosol-generating procedures, so procedures that produce lots of droplets, right? And when you look at the guidance of what they are, Craig, that's not chiropractic practice, right, in, in, in the main, right? However... If you're not wearing a mask, the track and trace team don't um, deem that adequate protection and you'll be deemed a close contact and asked to self-isolate. So the reason why we've advised people to wear a mask along with your apron and your gloves is because um, 
if you get contact traced, you can say, okay, I'm wearing um, this level of PPE and that will mean that you're not deemed a close contact. And, you know, via, and, and you know, the, the College of Chiropractors are helpful here because the thing is, as we said, when you've got multiple stakeholders, you, know, you can't have multiple people asking different questions and it just, just looks, just makes the profession look like a dog's breakfast, right? You know, so, um, you know, the College of Chiropractors had a, a, were in contact with um, uh, Public Health England on, on behalf of, of, of the profession and we were asking those questions, yeah. right? You know, and I, I was definitely in contact with Robin saying, hey, look, we need to clarify this. And so we've got it from them to say, look, if you wear gloves, uh, apron and a mask. You don't need to wear a visor, right? Unless some of your risk assessment says it, right? You won't be deemed a, a, a close contact. It was a bit confusing because initially the first advice that came out, right, said um, you need to wear um, a visor or eye protection. So we all went and got eye protection for a matter of, of a day or so, realised it all steamed up and it was totally impractical and everyone's going, oh, my God, how am I going to do this? But then we got further clarification that said, no, sorry, yeah. um, you don't need to wear the full gown and, and the eye protection. So it's also like in that track and trace scenario, it's not enough to have then said, well, look, um, because I, everyone's disinfecting everything in between clients, um, if, you know, before I touch them, after I touch them, I fully sanitise the entire room and, and hands and myself. Um, that's not deemed enough and it's still considered to be um, a potential threat and you'd be asked to self-isolate. Yeah, if you're not wearing a mask, right? And so, so, but the thing is, what you need to do, and 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 part of the um, is going back into the workplace. You would have heard of the COVID secure guidelines, and this is why you go into any business, and they've got varying degrees. You know, you've got screens, and so a lot of us are using screens now. But you know, you've got screens, you've got social distancing, you've got uh, you know a number of measures put in place. But one of those, the, the what you have to do is do a risk assessment. So this is really important with yeah. guys, but you do a risk assessment and you say, okay, right, um, you know, we're doing this, this and this to mitigate that risk, right? We know that uh, and you've got that, you've got that in writing. Um, we know that we've got from Public Health England, okay, this is the level of, of guidance. So then you can, you know, you can present a case and say, look, you know, this is what it is. We, we haven't had any, um, you know, we certainly haven't had a lot of members come back to say they've been contact traced and asked to self-isolate, which is which is good. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, because it's obviously a nightmare scenario, especially if you're, as you say, like you're a sole practitioner, you know. Um, so yeah. Is, is there yeah. anything, because I read something I think you, you um, were talking about with regards to the definition of close contact and if you're sort of, uh, you know, if your appointment times are less than 15 minutes and your contact sort of within one metre is less than one minute or something, isn't it? Then that's yeah. not considered close contact, is that right? Yeah, but I suppose, see, when they talk about close contact, they're kind of thinking of the general public and the public interactions, right? We've got specific guidance because we are, if you think that we are, you know, we're touching people, we're, we, we are in, in close contact. Now, um, sure, timing, all right, um, so the fact that your average uh, adjustment is not, you know, uh, you know, is often a lot less than 15 minutes, yeah. right? Um, you know, that all helps with with uh, deeming it. But if, if if you're in contact with someone for less than a minute or a couple of minutes and you're not wearing a PPE, they'll deem you close contact, right? Yeah. So, so you, you can't kind of say, oh, but my adjustments are, you know, less than 15 minutes. You know, uh, the fact is that you're having, a, you know, often particularly if you're having face-to-face conversations, you know, you, 
we're, and we're touching people, right? Yeah. So, so that's that's why there's the public health going because that's for health practitioners, right? And so that's and and that's going back good. to that specific thing, we uh, I was asking if if you're just sanitising your hands, that's also deemed to be not enough compared to wearing gloves. Yeah, I know. And look, it, 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 you know, a lot of this stuff, and and we can, you know, we could probably um, we we could probably talk for you know hours and hours on this and what seems to be the, the inconsistencies, et cetera, and we could pick holes in various things because go, look, you know, what, what's wrong with um, adjusting someone, going and washing your hands using the appropriate, um, you know, hand hygiene method, right, and then adjusting the next person. Why do you have to wear to, to wear gloves? Mm. The thing is we've, um, we've got a um, government body which is saying this is what you need to do, right, um, so we just have to, um, you know, uh, we just have to comply Party with that. Party line. Yeah. Yeah. Play the line, so, dance, dance, right, yeah. however you want to say it, because the thing is we are then regulated by the GCC. So if someone, and, you know, we have had, um, I know of a couple of chiropractors had complaints because people haven't been satisfied with the use um, and um, the appropriateness of their PPE. And, you know, I spoke to a member of public last week about that very thing. Uh, so, you know, the, the thing is the GCC, if someone can make a complaint at the GCC, the GCC are going to look, okay, well, what are you doing? And if you say, well, Public Health England have said this and you're not doing it, right, you haven't really got a leg to stand on. So um, that, that's – but at least we've got – the good thing about this is, is okay, in the last, last couple of weeks hasn't been bad, but, you know, um, two weeks before we were in the heat wave, yeah. right, Oh, it's yeah. like a, you know, it's like a mobile sauna. If you don't have, have aircon, it was just crazy. But we, what we do have is we have a framework that we can stay open, right, yeah. and, we can, and we can adjust people, and that's, that's the outcome we want. So just go, go to the, just look into your crystal ball in the future is, is what does chiropractic look like and the provision of chiropractic uh, for the rest of this year and into next year? Yeah, look, I mean... I think probably the number one thing we all want to get rid of is the PPE, yeah. right? Um, you know, uh, hand sanitizer. You know, even social distance. Once you've got your practice set up to social distance, or you've 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 got your, you know, it, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I know when I first went back, it it was knackering. It was really really tiring. I mean, my head hurt trying to sort all everything out beforehand, yeah. right? You know, for, for for my own practice. Look, in the profession, right, and and then um, or for our membership, right, and um, but once you've got that in place, you get into a, a new rhythm. But getting rid of the PPE would be, um, I think, you know, top of everyone's um, uh, wish wish list, right. But when you look at what the noise has come out from the government, right, um, and there, you know, Chris Woody last week was saying it, you know, we've got this for another nine months. Mm-hmm. I don't see that changing before the end of the year, right. I think that you know. Um, the, the view for being, this is my opinion, is that um, we've got to get through winter. Yeah. Well, that's, that's obviously the thing because the big fear is that whole thing of what Melbourne's doing now, right, could very easily be another London thing. So um, so what have we learned from what we've done in March and how can we apply it over the potential Christmas <laughs> restrictions? Yeah, well, look, you know, hopefully um, hopefully the, the you know the, the the level and and, and you know there is you know um, talk of this, but hopefully um, we don't know the level of community transmission. Hopefully that you know that 
committee has that the virus is kind of burning out or it's becoming less virulent or, you know, uh, you know, society is developing, you know, more of a collective immunity, right, so that it's not going to take off. The difficulty is going to be is there's many uh, people can have a cold, they can have a temperature, right, and they can have a cough, right. So um, there's going to be disruption from that point of view where people where they have symptoms that normally just carry on with, right, suddenly you're going to be, okay, man, I've got to self-isolate, right? And this could be dis- disruptive for, uh, for our team. Are people going to be happy standing in the street at two metres apart, you know, when it's three degrees and raining? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, so, so, so these, I, think, I think there's some logistical challenges to, to come, mm. uh, let alone any, any spike. I think the view from the government is they're going to be doing localised lockdowns. So what, you know, look, what we want to do and, and and you know, like I said, regards to our view is is protect our uh, our practices and and, and um, you know, our public so we can keep adjusting them. And so we want to try and you know, I suppose do all these things to minimise uh, you know it taking off because the government seem to be using the um, you know the number of cases rather than necessarily what's happening in the hospitals to inform them. Like when you look at all these um, quarantines. No, they're looking at how many cases per hundred thousand. Yeah. So, you know, well, that doesn't mean you know we, we don't know. Okay, of those how many cases per hundred thousand, um, you know, how many those people may be dealing with it, you know, and they're not being hospitalised, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so go into the specifics. Of, like you, you were talking about the fact that yeah, because this is a genuine concern for the entire workforce of the UK, right, or the world yeah. really, is yeah. that you know previously if you had a cold or a symptom that was a cough or some sort of chest infection, you would just kind of get on with it, um, mm. and you know you were sort of being almost encouraged most of the time if you had certainly a, a role that was very hard to replace vis-a-vis a chiropractor who has twenty yeah. patients in that day waiting for them to be seen. Um, yeah. Like what? How does that look moving forward? You you have a cold, you have a sniffle. Do you just push on, or I guess there's a, a an expectation that you should go and get tested and then prove that you are negative, even if you do have a cough. Then and then you can say, well, look, it's not COVID; it's just a cough. Is that how it should work? Yeah, yeah look, I, I think so. It's going to be you know interesting to see how uh, you know it plays out, right? Um, because. Um, particularly if you have symptoms. And, like, in, in the past, you know, people have a little cold, right, or whatever it is, yeah, they just go to work and people aren't afraid of them. Yeah. Right? Um, but, you know, if you cough in public now. Yeah. And, and uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> people will run a mile. Right? You want to get to the front of the queue, you just start coughing. But, um, <laughs> uh, the, yeah, the, 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 so I, I think that the, um, you know, the, the thing is, particularly if you have symptoms that maybe coronavirus is that you want to um, yeah, take yourself out, get tested, right, and, um, you know, and then go from there. Now, the thing is uh, we talked about track trace earlier on. We've also got to be mindful because you, you can see that the big issue, as you've touched on, is the economic, right, um, and w- with our teams. And so the whole issue of where you wear masks indoors is, is obviously you've got to think of this close contact track and tracing relates between you and your team, right, and so... Um, now, if one of your your team members um, gets uh, coronavirus or gets a positive test, yeah, then um, you know, uh, you know that 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 could take out everyone. Everyone in the practice could be asked to self isolate. So you've got to got to protect from that as well. 
um, and 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 you know be mindful and. The current guidance is actually is if you when they ask you to self isolate that you don't get tested you just self isolate because they say that the, the test isn't always reliable until you start developing symptoms. So I think if you've got symptoms, get yourself tested as soon as you can. So then you've got a negative test and then you can say okay I've got that. So then you can carry on rather than um, spending yo-yoing yo-yoing in and out of work. Mate, that is quite an extensive review of the last six months and thank you for taking the time to do that. Um, uh, I hope my team will uh, listen in and gain from this, um, maybe other chiropractors. Uh, I mean, have you actually even done a review of everything yet? I know you've been doing these videos and updates, but have you? has anyone taken the time to sit down and chat with you about this yet or this is the first? Yeah, I suppose, um, you know, you have, I just have snippets of conversation with people, but yeah, this is, uh, yeah, the first time we've sat down. Other than we have a, you know, we've been having a weekly Zoom call um, for mm. the, uh, uh, you know, for the UCA membership we have it on a Thursday. I was doing during um, the lockdown, um, Melissa and I, I think we're doing, we're doing daily Zoom calls. So it's like, uh, yeah, I've, you know, I spent a lot of lockdown on Zoom, right? And um, so we were doing a daily call. And, you know, we had um, speakers um, get on to advise people and to, to, to pivot it, to realise that there was positive things. So a lot of people have done a lot of great things in, in lockdown and been able to just sit and reflect um, how they run their practice, um, what they're doing. So there has been, been benefits from it. Um, it's got people to hopefully have a much better relationship with exercise. Um, so, you know, it, 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 that has been, been positive. It's just, yeah, you know, so we've been, been doing that. But, no, it's good. I appreciate the opportunity to be able to sit down and and, um, and, and look back and, and uh, yeah, you know. There was you some, should some take the praise, certainly thank you on behalf of the profession for everything you've done with this because uh, you obviously are probably the most knowledgeable man with regards to Cairo and sort of uh, the delivery of, of chiropractic uh, in the UK. So um, thanks for taking the time, mate. Um, mate no, it's a, look, it's an absolute pleasure and, and uh, yeah, you know, look, you know, I suppose one of the, the, the mottos of our practices by chiropractors for chiropractors, you know, we're, we're practitioners and, and um, you know, we want to um, support practitioners to be able to stay in practice, practice well, practice safely and practice without fear. Yeah. Now, how much time you got? Do you want to just draw a line under it, um, uh, or? Oh, oh good. Right. Because there's a couple more questions. Just a brief comment on the state of the profession in the UK, if I may pick your brain. Um, what, how does it work with regards to? Obviously, there's the BCA, and then there's the UCA, and the UCA is part of this alliance of chiropractors, right? Yeah. Now, yeah. what, what what are the actual numbers in terms of like the profession? Because I haven't seen an update of that for ages. But is there is it sort of like the alliance and the BCA represent about half and half, or, or what's the deal? Yeah, look, you know, um, it, it's hard to without knowing. And 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 like any any organisations, right? You know, um, it's you know people's their, their membership is like well, how many full members? You know, you're counting full members, you're counting students, you're counting, you know. Um, so when you look at that, but you know, you think of you now what you should be counting is, is, is registered registered members, and I think there's about three and a half thousand chiropractors um, approximately in the in the UK, yeah. right? And um, so you know, um, uh, and the alliance. 
the alliance is obviously UCA, MCA. And look, it's BCA invited. It's just uh, you know, uh, um, you know, so that the, you know they, they don't want to be part of it at the moment. Then we've got the UK Chiropractic Forum, right? But mm. there's a bunch of chiropractors that aren't members of anything, yeah, right. And that's and in, in, in a time like this, I mean, we've certainly had a, an uptick in membership, right? But in um, in a time time like this, this is when you want to be in an association, right? You know, and, and look, I know the BCA like to say that we represent the profession, and, that, and that's that's a bit um, uh, misleading because they don't, they're not fifty percent of the profession, yeah, right? You know, they're not not at all. Right, and so you know we're reluctant to say we are fifty percent aware of this percentage of the profession. It's like, um, but you know we are a huge chunk, right? And, you know, and certainly the alliance, the alliance is probably I would say, you know, without naming specific numbers, probably you know definitely the size of the BCA, if not bigger. Hey, so look, let's wrap this up with a little bit of a discussion around non-chiropractic pastimes um well one last bit of chiropractic is the fact that you were sadly missed paul Crossan at the 25 year reunion which i very selfishly arranged to suit my travel needs uh in the end of february 2020 so i, look, I, I did notice that mate no I, I was gutted i would have loved to have been there so some of the pictures and and uh um look we were supposed to be in australia um you know these holidays, right, in, in, in July, right? But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's the year of the council, 2020. I mean, I also clocked over 50, right, you know, so um, <laughs> done the big high, the high five and, and Take the uh, good with the bad. <laughs> exactly, right. So, um, no, I, I would have loved to have been there. It looked like it was, yeah, it, good, good fun. We had a great year. Yeah, look, um, and I spoke to Bloomy about this last night. I recorded this podcast with him and he was talking about the fact that, you know, like, for example, Joe Isaac was the guy who was uh, who studied Cairo, um, worked for about three or four years as a Cairo, then went back to become an anaesthetist. And so, yeah. but he still keeps his registration as a chiropractor going because he reckons it's the hardest thing that he's had to work for in his life was that uh, grad, uh, was the qualification. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But no, and lastly, let's talk a bit about skiing. Obviously, uh, when I first came over here, there was a bit of skiing involved. You and I are both mad skiers. Um, but you you were like ski patroller or something in when we were a student, right? No, I was a ski instructor. Ski instructor, right? Yeah, so Brad, Brad, um, or Cam Potter was a ski patroller, and, yep. and Brad might have got into that as well. Um, up at Mount Buller, and uh, no, I was a ski instructor. And uh, the reason why I became a ski instructor is because uh, it was a great vehicle to be able to um, to afford skiing when you're a student and nice. to be able be able to ski. And so I actually um, uh, did that. And Chris Topham was uh, so that's uh, so Chris and I met at Melbourne Uni, and he was, he was an instructor. He'd been to Canada and done his Canadian level uh, level one, I think was and then um so I, I actually started um at learning at mount buffalo right i mean you know mount buffalo then you know had snow probably has about snow for about two weeks you know um, at the, you know now um but uh, and uh so yeah so i i learned there and then went over to canada and did my canadian levels uh yeah. and then came back and did a season at mount hotham uh got my australian levels all right. Um, uh, there's three levels in Australia, and then you know, did 
one of them. And then um, I suggested to people, and I thought, look, if I don't get out of this now, I'm going to become the most educated ski bum, right? And uh, so then I started locoming and um, did that around Australia before coming before coming over here. But um, yeah, so you weren't working as a chiropractor; you were just like a ski bum for a while. Well, I um, when I went over to Canada because remember I went over to Canada and spent time yeah. with um, yeah. with with Cassidy and Pierre Curtain, and I was over in Saskatchewan with Dale Comrie. Oh, right. And um, I thought, look, honestly, the whole spectrum of chiropractic. So I was like, you know, went to the, the most out there practices, but then I went to these guys and practicing basically in the hospital with orthopedic surgeons uh, in a very sort of limited, okay, musculoskeletal role. I mean, at that point, activator was legal in Saskatchewan. And um, and so, um, yeah, so, so I did that, then went over to the West Coast, to, to Mount Washington on. Uh, Vancouver Island and, and over to Whistler and, and um, spent a season there uh, with Chris and then came back and did a season at Mount Hotham. And so I was doing some adjusting then, right, and so that was, you know, um, so we come back to graduate. So that was sort of 95 yeah. and then the end of that season it was like, right, okay, um, you know, I could have kept I could have kept doing doing that but um, mm. I, I thought, look, uh, as as you said, we worked very hard, you know, um, as Joe Isaac acknowledges, we worked very, very hard for our qualification and um, so I just didn't want to be a um, full-time, ski-time, part-time chiropractor and had to kind of t- to turn it around the other way. And you got that balance pretty pretty, pretty good. You were um, had quite a lot of time as a ski bum and part-time chiropractor. Well, I, I think I started my career as a part-time golfer, part-time chiropractor, um, and that was when I was working in Brisbane. But, um, but yeah, it, uh, I think part of the – when I arrived in the UK, I did locuming for a while and then I just shut up shop and went on that sort of four- or five-month season in, in France and in the French Alps. And, you know, that's where I learned how to ski properly and the journey sort of of, of trying to perfect the art carried on from there really so it was cool you joined me for a bit of time that, in that um season-long adventure that 2001 uh, that was year 2000 so yeah it, uh, oh, like the millennium kind of going into 2000 is where it was it was yeah because uh yeah chris came over and we went uh uh so in chamonix then over to um zamat and saint anton yeah and then uh down to team yeah, it's cool. Well, that's the team is where I did the season. And, in fact, I've been taking the family back there um, for a lot of December trips because it's so high and the snow is awesome there in December. Well, we, we, we've been there the last two years. We've gone to team. Um, and, uh, we, yeah, with Mark Warner, we've been going, so, Tina La. And um, so, yeah. And did you do the Easter trip or the after? So, actually, we did um, – we, we did, we were doing March and then last year, well, actually I say last year, this year, thank God, you know, that wasn't, uh, it was pre-COVID, believe it or not. Um, we um, we went in February just uh, before half term, right, because Charlie's in reception, so, you know, okay. he, he he doesn't have to, you can take him out. And so so we went the week before half term and, and yeah, we, we've had some sensational skiing. So, yeah, so the boys are on, on so Charlie's on skis, he loves it, and uh yeah, so, are you uh, surely at fifty? You've organised some sort of heli skiing adventure or something like that, right? Do you know what? It's on the bucket list. It's still, you know, it's been one of the. <laughs> Just don't break your leg no. if you're going to go do something like that. 
No, no, I, I keep seeing seeing your um your, your X-rays, mate, and um, you know, so it's a good reminder <laughs> to sort of control the speed. That's for sure. <laughs> your your tibia is 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 just etched into my my uh, mm. my, my collective radiographic history. But look, I'm going to sign off this little podcast. Thanks for joining me, uh, and it's been super valuable. Obviously, it has time-stamped the COVID global pandemic, but um, thanks again for all you've done to sort of help the whole profession through it, mate. So um, good to catch up. My pleasure, Hans. Good to have a chat.